Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. You know, last week I was listening to our podcast, and I always get super jazzed when I do that because I'm like, man, this is really good. Oh, everybody says that when they hear themselves on tape. And I was driving along thinking, there's something I want to bring up and talk about, and I can't remember for the life of me what it was right now. Didn't do a voice memo? Not at all. Oh, we do want the iTunes reviews, please. If you have been listening, we have a lot of new listeners, and one of the best ways you could help us out is to just pop onto iTunes. They don't make it as easy as you would expect, but you can pop onto iTunes and you can rate our show. And just, I mean, look, you might say, I don't know if they're five stars. They're more like four, three and a half. Just give us five. Come on. Just give us five stars. That'll help us out a lot. It'll help other people find the show. Um, We will get back into that top five section, which we've fallen out of. I'm not very happy with that. Yeah. It's not good. No, we need slipping. Yeah. Anyways, did you listen um, to the ones that are moving up. Did I listen to the ones that are moving up? I just listened to the most recent, which was really good. The one about no. Um, did you listen to the shows that are moving up ahead of us? Yeah. No, I don't listen to anybody else's show. Are you kidding me? Just kidding. It'll just annoy me. It'll just bother me because I'll find. I it's like when I'm flipping through the radio stations on a drive and I hear some financial. I just heard some guy financial guy recently, and I wanted to reach through the radio and smack him. It's just guaranteeing stuff. It's not you cannot guarantee. You no. you cannot guarantee stuff. The, the word guarantee in our industry is taboo. There's no guarantees. Nothing. Death and taxes. That's it. True. All right. There's our bro talk for today. Riveting. Riveting. We've got an interesting question. Um it's a rudimentary sort of question, but it's something that so many people struggle with. Uh, and if not now, they will at some point in the future. There's some interesting science behind our answer uh, that I hope Daniel talks about because I think he's done some research on this. I'm putting him on the spot now. Um, but uh, I will give some uh, of my color regarding the psychology behind it. So, James, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hi, guys. This is James from Washington. Personally, I love the bro talk. Keep at it. My question relates to managed investment accounts, not the retirement accounts kind, and whether it makes sense to put small amounts in every month or a large lump sum once a year. The reason I ask is that I have a job that comes with a reliably large bonus at the end of the year, just shy of six figures. I used this bonus from last year to open an investment account, but I'm unsure of the best way to keep funding it and would like to make sure that my dollar cost average in the account stays low. Would appreciate any pros and cons you have. Thank you. Okay, James. So this is a uh, interesting question because, again, I think there's a lot of people out there that may face the same challenge. Now, typically, we save and invest through either 401k payroll deductions or you might accrue it 
in your monthly budget and after you've done your emergency fund and you're paying down your debt, et cetera, you have excess capital, you're in the wealth development phase of your career or your life, and your dollar cost averaging into the account. But what if you sell a house and you have excess capital or you come into an inheritance or you, just as James was saying, you get a large bonus. So there's a one-time influx of capital. What do you do? Well, personally, I like to follow the same plan. I like to divvy it out and dollar cost average it over time. Now, I will tell you why. The reason is, is that I psychologically prefer to feel, I'm choosing my words very closely or very carefully, feel in control of when I'm putting my capital to work because I like to feel as if I have infinite wisdom and can time my investments appropriately. Now, you are, if you've listened to the show, you are sitting there thinking, what is he talking about? None of those terms are things that we talk about or make sense at all. Timing the market, wisdom, infinite wisdom, feelings, none of that should apply to an investment strategy. However, there is nothing worse than taking a large sum of capital, dropping it into the market just when you think, oh, this is a great time. And subsequently seeing it go down 10, 15, 20% or more, you feel terrible rather than taking it in pieces. Now, here's what Murphy's Law says. Whatever you do is going to be wrong, okay? So whatever you do, if you dollar cost average, you are going to dollar cost average in a rising market and look back in hindsight and go, that was dumb. I should have just put it all in. However, if you lump it all in, Murphy's Law says, we're going to continue to go down. You're going to look back and say, that was dumb. I should have waited. So rather than make a dramatic decision one way or the other, just kind of constantly put it in a systematic approach towards dollar cost averaging over a certain period of time and you know, kind of set it and forget it, just like you would your retirement accounts. That's what I would do. What say you, Daniel? Right. I think you touched on some good stuff, especially with uh, feelings. I really like hearing about your feelings. Feelings. Uh, so when we're looking at statistics, really the statistically best solution is to invest when you have money in hand. So regardless of the amount, you get funds from a bonus or whatever it is. If the purpose of those funds are longer term, uh, so something that you're going to leave in an account for five plus years, then technically speaking, the best time to invest is when you have those funds available. And the reason for that is, for instance, let's say you have those funds available at the end of a year because of a year-end bonus. If you go back and look at history, more years than not, by the end of the year, so uh, an actual 12-month calendar year, the market is typically up more than it is down. Uh, now, there's no magic to that. You can take various different rolling periods, but obviously we utilize a calendar year for most of our investment return purposes. So if you look at that, if you had money on January 2nd, market's not open on January 1. So if you had money on January 2nd to invest, then and I don't know the exact, you know, how many times out of 10, but if you look back historically, say 100 years, uh, more often has the market has been up by the end of the year than it has been down. So uh, Simple math would say then the best time to invest is there. Now, I will say I did that this year. I fully funded 
my HSA at the beginning of the year. It is now almost August. And so far, that's been a terrible solution because the market has pretty much uh, not been straight down all the year, but it is significantly down from where it was at the beginning of the year. And sometimes that's just going to happen. And that's what I like about what Quint said, because we're not statistics. We are humans. And the human element of psychology and emotions goes into investing just as much. So if you can handle, especially if you're putting this, say, in a Roth or a retirement account where you have decades of time horizon on you, then maybe you can handle just putting it in there, uh, forgetting about it. That's kind of what we're doing with our HSA. It's for when we retire. So we slog that money in there. We know that by the time we retire, that's going to be significantly higher. It doesn't really matter if we gamed the market by 5, 10, 20% here. However, it's probably more important that you create a plan and stick to the plan regardless of what the market does. So if your plan is to invest the lump sum, then you need to invest the lump sum, stick with that investment, and if it does go down some, not get freaked out. If your plan is to invest every month, then regardless of what the market is doing, you should be investing that every month. So it's more about the consistency and sticking to the plan. And that, that's true in a lot of things in life and investing. It's more about the consistency, sticking to what you set out to do, than it is about uh, you know, dialing in the perfections along the way, I think, personally. That's what I would do. I like that. I wouldn't have taken the approach of the you know whatever it is you do, stay consistent. But I want to piggyback on that because, number one, I think that's critical um, the the worst thing that can happen is you start to feel smarter uh, than you really are when it comes to markets. Um, I think either this individual said this in his opening or maybe I just gleaned it from his email. So I'm going to go off script here a little bit. But this individual is a a uh, very well-educated professional. I'm just going to mm-hmm. leave it at that. I don't want to you know, put him in a position where he goes, well, you almost gave my name away, which I didn't, but you get what I'm saying. Sure. Ironically, some of the most well-educated professionals that we deal, that we run across, and this is true, I've, I've talked to colleagues about this across the board, are the worst investors. The worst. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because they apply a highly educated, logical approach to the markets, which is highly illogical, often, heck, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the, time. the shorter the term, the more illogical it gets. So if you apply that same, again, you know, educational, you know, ingenuity, I don't know, approach that you did to become the, the professional that you are, and you try to do that with the markets, you will consistently frustrate yourself. I, I've just seen it. Perfect example. Um, we are rallying as we sit here. We are rallying on news that we are technically in a recession. Now, who knows what's going to happen by the end of today? The market could be down. I don't know. But the reality is, is that most people will look, most highly educated people will look and say, oh, boy, we're in a recession. This is bad for the market. And you can look back through history, and sometimes some of the best market environments come when the news is so dire. And it doesn't make any sense. So the reality is, is one of the worst things you could do is start to feel smarter than you actually are when it comes to an illogical, uh, sometimes irrational market. Rather than do that, I I agree with Daniel. Follow a consistent 
path regardless of what you do. And regardless of what you do? No. Follow a consistent path no regardless what. of the environment. There you go. And over time, you will be successful and you will be very glad that you did. Automate it, forget about it, and stick to the plan. Set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. You just set it and forget it. The reason, one of the key reasons why that works is because when people look at the market, a lot of times they discount the value of, say, things like dividends and interest and things like that in a well-diversified portfolio. So yes, the market is going to move from time to time, but actually a market going down can be just as powerful for your portfolio in the long term as a market that's going up. Because oh, every advisor says you're that. receiving that. I don't feel power. I don't feel like it's powerful in the long term. Well, how is it powerful? I feel reinvesting like your dividends and dollar cost averaging oh, on the downside. Up. I mean, yes, very true. Yeah, it's it's going to work out. Again, we're talking about five plus year money. We're not talking about hey, money that you're pulling out right now. You should have some cash on the side for that. That's why we say three to 12 months emergency fund, depending on your personal situation. Absolutely. So there we go. Great question. Hopefully we've provided some color, not just for you, for anybody out there looking to do the same thing. Um, It Again, uh, follow the plan, stick to it, and I think you'll be happy you did. You just set it and then forget it. You just set it and forget it. Set it and forget about it. So uh, all... James did was sent us a audio question through his phone, I presume, uh, voicemail or recorded a voice memo, emailed it to us. It was under a minute, which was great. We used it on the show, and now he'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. Keep those questions coming because we definitely need them in the queue. Uh, And remember, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.